everyone. Hello. So this is a special Cranium Sessions podcast. I've been looking forward to this for a while, ever since we kind of first discussed it. And this is the Everything is Temporary podcast special. We're just going to take you through all the tracks from the album. We're not holding back on this. We're going to kind of give you maybe a little bit of a backstory because this album has taken a long time and there's reason for that. You know? Nah. Well, yeah, man, it's lazy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, we're just going to take you through a little journey through three years of our musical world. And mixed with that, there's going to be a couple of influences. I think there's a couple of tracks which didn't make the album. But yeah, we're starting things off with this. This one's a little uh, kind of laid back, instrumental, ambient track. This one's entitled Sousa. debut album is out now kind of surreal <laughs> kind of surreal to finally say that we're dining on our favourite drinks I've got a tisky in hand and I've got a lovely red wine we do things properly here basically your local corner shop selection this track not named after the footballer that James brought my attention to after I named it Sousa, thinking it was a really cool word on its own. I think I googled it, that's what I did. I was yeah. like, oh, what is that? It? Oh, it's a footballer. Uh, like, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise you were on that. How's your football manager going, by the way? Really badly. Because <laughs> you don't play it. I play it every now and then. Temporary screamed a monologue of certitude with nefarious intent. Yet blissfully we enlist with an ignorance deft in all that we claim to represent. A thousand footsteps they stumble, barbarous and dogged for a cause to defend. Blind to the lessons of our forebearers. No remorse, no repent. In the portrait and pictures, soundtrack and scriptures, the heroes and villains are the rituals. Surrounded by the blandness of impotence, eh? Hey, you can quote me on a bridge, sir, I'm dissonant. And when these words align, it's the effluvium of a touchstone demeanor that distills us. The mud pit, the enemy, the effervescent remedy, shooting through the arrow slits of ignominy. Here's the rules of division in a simple one stitch. Gather your troops and aim thee for the last ditch, but know this. I will be there, king, in my carburized suit And when your gargoyles are screaming, I will rally and saunter through 
I'm a sand throw to the bitter edge Believe me brother, it's my terminal pledge We can joust it on the precipice till the last dog has fled His dignity is non-negotiable Can't be traded, I won't sell it to you rogues and fools My prophylactic is to spread on your establishment Crack down, banjacks the whole damn battlement Now, you see me now I'm the force of a mother scorn You backstabbers hear my father's law Let's revel in the storm, the tongue terror is the form You must now consider yourself to be We want to thank Al for getting involved with the album projects We really appreciate that We didn't really plan on it to be the intro, we didn't plan on it to be anything kind of defining what the album was about. But it turned out that we were actually living pretty much next door to each other. We were about a two minute walk from each other's houses at the time when we were writing the album. Yeah, Stone's Throw is actually what it was. Yeah, it ended up naming the album and really kind of defining the concept, but we'll kind of go into that again a little bit later on, I guess. This one is Mind State. Now this one started as a track that James, I think you started writing this probably 2016. Uh, it sounds like we're going to start this with every track. <laughs> Restart this. In 2015, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think this one started like really randomly and actually we'd written a lot of the tracks from the album at this stage and having this actually transformed a lot of the other tunes I think this was a big turning point into how the drum sound was actually formed on a lot of the tracks and we definitely went back in after writing this track to re-evaluate all the drum sound I think. Do you know what I, w- I was back home one weekend and I went to my mate's house and he's just started writing beats and we started working on the track together and uh, I was messing around with some sounds and created those kind of like wow those horn kind of sounds 
And then I was like, sorry, I'm going to have to take this home and carry on working on this myself. <laughs> Robbed. Stolen. Sorry, Tom. the first time you played this to me was through a video on Facebook Messenger. <laughs> I think it was on holiday and you sent it to me and I was like, oh shit, James has written a banger. I need to go home and get on this now. <laughs> thinking this is probably one of the last tracks we wrote for the album. Yeah, I think we'd written maybe 25 tunes at this stage and then this one came around and it was like, okay, this is actually a contender now. first two-step tunes other than probably flat spots that we wrote that actually felt like it might fit in the album this is almost like a hark back to the very first tunes we did like footloose but we definitely had to bring in some dirtier sounds to make yeah. it kind of fit with what else we were doing but yeah this is a personal favorite for mine <laughs> Yeah. 
right now is called Flat Spots, which was a track that I started after going for a skate. It was in summer because of the heat, the um, the ramp was super hot. Basically, I had some shit wheels at the time and they completely flat spotted. So this is where the track name came about. <laughs> think is one of our both of our personal favorites in a way that it, I think it just reminds me of what we wrote like years ago yeah I almost think it's a shame that this one didn't get put on the vinyl it was a tough choice yeah it was really tough it was six, six on the vinyl right six on the vinyl yeah it was honestly a really hard hard call and every, no matter if this one was on and another one off I'd think oh why didn't we put that one on like six isn't enough out of a 16 track album yeah I'd like them all to be on it Moving on, probably one of the most melodic tracks off the album. We don't do melodies, do we? <laughs> I thought Flat Spots was the most melodic think, one. Yeah, probably baseline wise. We've talked about this in the past. We, we've tr always tried to bring a bit more melody in, and we have been conscious to try and expand our sound a little bit more. But I think when it came to the album, we both talked a lot about what is the album going to be? Is it just going to be a collection of tunes that we would write normally? And we really tried not to do that, I think. And um, I think we did that to a degree. I think there were definitely times where we, we almost tried to force being a bit too melodic or I know I did definitely and it didn't work because it's not us like and that's is it because you tried to sing on one again yeah <laughs> no, I, didn't, I didn't try to sing on this album I never did that but yeah this one is called Colossus specific sound that I wanted out of it and Anley was like oh let's bring this out bring this out and I was really like I'm probably the most stubborn one in the studio and I think what I say nah. goes most of the time nah, not at all mate <laughs> not at all no nah, not at all you're easy to work with yeah quite easy 
but yeah, I wanted everything stripped down. It was going to be very bass heavy. It wasn't really too much top end on any of the sounds or mid range. Um, but Andy kind of fought me on this and really like, like just bring up the pads 2db <laughs> <laughs> no don't bring them up at all but yeah Andy worked on it and pushed all the sounds and I was like oh god fuck's sake Andy what have you done to it but it grew on me and then we kind of evolved on it more and then I ended up pushing them a bit more myself so yeah I think I think those kind of musical battles are good in the studio and they bring out sounds that you didn't initially think of and I think if you're working in a duo that's really important to kind of let each person speak even though I think that's the only time Andy's been able to speak but he did good I think it was the first time we properly disagreed on tracks this album yes I, I think like in the past it was always just like it's an ep it's fine we're gonna write another one whereas this one it was like no, this is like actually means a little bit more and we were both i think we were both pretty forceful with our opinions on stuff yeah i'll agree with that i'll agree with that this is an interesting one because this is one that didn't make the album and hasn't been finished so far, but we we were going back through our old SoundCloud. How many, how many tracks did we give Ants? I think it was like 30 tracks. Yeah, I think we gave 30 tracks in the end and there were definitely tracks where we were really torn whether or not to have them on, where it was really difficult to know like just how far you wanted to go with it because in the end it definitely took more of an aggressive feel than I think it could have gone down in yeah. a way. We actually got more dance floor tracks on there than I originally anticipated. Yeah, same same with me, I think. Uh, I think this track kind of sums up a lot of what kind of sound I was trying to push. Definitely glad there's a dynamic, but I didn't want to create something which was too far from what we'd done before. This album was always a concept where it was bringing the past 10 years into one project. Yeah. But this one never got a name. This one is called The Track With The Kicks And Snares 2. <laughs> to this prior to this album we'd just written two EPs we did the Shadow Theories EP on Dispatch which was probably the first EP where we went properly breaksy before it was very much like two step stuff like you had Footloose last minute but that was the first time we'd introduced like 
original breaks where we really took old breaks and tried to make them our own like with the Wayman break was I mean we named our own break in a way yeah um, and then we had the Fear EP on Horizons so we were building up to it but I think we both knew that this this album was going to be a lot more it was all about the drums essentially yeah it was always going to be about the drums and trying to do more interesting things with drum kits and actually push our boundaries a little bit there that's probably why it took so long <laughs> it's like learning from scratch all over all about the drums I think there's one influence that was pretty much responsible for all of that and that is Amon Tobin um, on this podcast we wanted to play a couple of the influences that we had whilst we were writing the album and obviously before we've been listening to Amon Tobin and stuff like this for a long time probably before we were even writing were we even listening to this before we started writing drum and bass properly yeah yeah so like this has always been on the fence of what we eclectically listen to whether we brought it into our music in an early day or not but it's definitely slowly incorporated its way into what we do today but yeah this one is called Escape this is from Amon Tobin's Permutation album released back in 1998 holy shit old school 20 years ago yeah I was 8 years old
think that was another thing we thought about as well. And something I probably worried about a little bit when we were writing the album is we used a lot of old school breaks and stuff, and I was worrying like, oh, is it going to sound like modern enough for drum and bass? And uh, as much as I don't like to worry about what else is going on in the drum and bass scene, and I don't think either of us, I think both of us lost a lot of interest in what was actually going on in the drum and bass scene like a long time ago in terms of like upkeeping to what was the current trend and I think that's gone very far beyond us now like it's pretty obvious from the sound of this album like how far detached we are from a lot of stuff going on in drum and bass um, but obviously like this is 20 years old and for uh, for me this still sounds brand new yeah and um, I think so that, fresh. that's it like listening to these tunes was what gave me the confidence just to kind of carry on and push with what we wanted to do and not to worry about what else was going on in the scene and yeah it's all very well like having really nice clean drums and and pushing like a super clinical sound and eat to each his own but yeah it was nice not to worry about that anymore that was definitely a turning point writing this album where it was like stop giving a fuck about all of that and yeah, just yeah. write what you want to write i think tracks like the next one coming in almost almost kind of solidified what we were doing with the album um, in terms of breaking our own boundaries and being like, yeah, fuck it, let's do what we want. And that's why the album title became actually really important. Like, when we did the tune with Codebreaker and the first time I heard him say the words, everything is temporary, it was like, yeah, like, that actually yeah. makes so much sense and it resonated. It actually made the album so much easier to write from then because it was like fuck everything else and actually just care about what you're doing in that moment in time and just be in it and yeah I definitely stopped giving so much of a shit after that but for this track it's called Veritum Touch so I named I named this one after a flower it's like beautiful but deadly and that was kind of the vibe of this track with the intro going into this section best listen to in stereo so you can get the full drum panning effect.
beautiful but deadly. Nice and easy, digestible track, that one. Yeah. We're not even halfway. This tune is called That Way East. Now this tune, I started writing and have always in my head had a feeling of the Wild West in that tune, which is why I called it That Way East, because it was kind of like a weird contradiction tune. Every time I imagine it, I just imagine some like weird, like cowboy shootout in a dusty street. Um, I never knew that. But yeah, with all the sounds and stuff, and there's like when it before it drops, like there's this weird little like honky bassline. <laughs> so yeah, that's the kind of name behind the, the reason behind that track title. You're so fucking hip, Andy. <laughs> Steve uh, Survival he was like oh yeah it's in A that's why it sounds deeper <laughs> I'm like because we were just like really struggling with it Steve like any tips on what we can do and he's like nah it's always going to be low like that it's just going to sound good in the clubs <laughs> Thank you. 
playing right now is another influence. Two artists which have kind of been another staple part of the, the style of this album. This is Fractal Neptune. The track's entitled Dust Ball. So the two guys and the Astrophonica label were definitely a stronghold for the kind of snappier style drum breaks that we were influenced by and what we wanted to produce ourselves. So they had this kind of old school roughness to it, but this sleek kind of tight cut beat that just really, really gives the nice funk on the dance floor. We definitely tried to contribute some of that style into our tracks. assuming most of you have either listened to the album by now I mean you're halfway through it already but if you haven't got it already go out and grab it out on dispatch recordings it's called everything is temporary So this one, Down Tempo, Bespin, named after Lando Calrissian's Cloud City from Star Wars. Yeah, boy. <laughs> because we couldn't figure out what else to call it. <laughs> yeah, this is named, it was like, I think maybe maybe this lost us another week in uh, production time because we couldn't name the tracks. But Lando was a bad boy, and this is his track. Yeah, this is all for Lando. When you go to see the solo film in May, just think about this track when you see Lando Carrizian as a young lad. I listen to is hip-hop and jazz so I'm strongly influenced by that and I think for an album you need these kind of down-tempo tracks and, and it's kind of like some weird old-school new-school Transformers old break sound yeah Yeah. <laughs> 
everything is temporary. It was kind of weird that a lot of these tracks ended up having quite a lot of clock sounds in them. I think there's about three tracks where there's like an audible clock sound in it, and this has got it. Did we intend to do that? I know I, no, I know I, I had don't. some deep philosophical moment one night getting off a bus. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that at all. Uh, well, I, got, I got off a bus and in London everyone's in some mad panic and this one guy got off and almost didn't even take another step off the bus he was like on the pa- on the pavement and he just kind of looked around as if to be like okay I'll just go this way and then he just kind of slowly walked off like he didn't really have any agenda whereas I think a lot of us get sucked up in this like I don't have time for this I don't have time for this whereas this guy just had all the time in the world but I was getting too deep that night and yeah again Andy has switched off and he wants to intro this next track. Well, you should intro this because you picked it. Okay, so yeah, I wanted to just choose a hip hop track just with a ridiculous bass line and some hard drums. So this is the Alcoholics with Turn the Party Out. this in just because I think I saw this film about halfway through writing the album and it truly freaked me the fuck out. It's a weird film. Yeah, that string. So <laughs> fucking freaky, man. Probably one of the first pieces of music I'd listened to in a long time where I felt like that makes me feel something really weird. And... Um, you haven't finished watching Annihilation, though, have you? No, I watched it. You did? Yeah. What did you... It has similar sounds to this yeah, as well. Yeah, fucked up. Very similar. Very fucked up. But yeah, I just wanted to play this because it represented a little bit of the dissonant kind of chord sequence in my mind at the time.
received. And this sums up party life. Yeah, no explanation needed for this one. Contrary to popular belief, this isn't James ringing me. Oi. I know you're trying to have a quiet one this weekend, and, and so am I. I am having a quiet one. But I fucking, I just want your attention, bro. I just, I just, I need, I need you in your, I need you in my life. I need you in my life. But I need, I need, I need to speak to you. Come on, I'm, I'm begging, bro. Begging you, begging. Big up, Timmy Harris. Yeah, thanks for phoning in. End of message. Right then. So this one is an early version of the tune that you will probably know now as Chronograph. And this is called Stop Start. It's using the same sounds, but essentially a completely different track. And I guess you probably can give a bit more context into how it was broken down. I think we were both really fucking pissed off with this track. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we liked the vibe and we liked everything, but a lot of the samples we were using, even the samples weren't in tune. Like, there, were, there was layers where the harmonics weren't in tune with each other. So from the get-go, the sounds didn't work, and then trying to piece it together with other sounds where the harmonics weren't in tune. And I was just like, OK, let's stop doing this. I'm going to strip it down, take all the samples, put it in a brand new project, and just work at it like a sample pack. Sometimes you need to do that and you need to take the bold step to be like, right, I know all the sounds in there I enjoy or there's something, some elements in there that I can take from it. And then we turned it into Chronograph. Which is this track now. And yeah, it's very interesting listening back to the very old version. I don't think 
for for both of us we haven't listened to some of these tracks in a good year so it's pretty interesting to see the difference now compared to back when we pretty much got the album mastered which is probably breaching on close a year, year now <laughs> but perfection takes time and good things come to those who wait and other other words of saying that we couldn't get it done in time <laughs> but yeah this one is chronograph i think this is one of our favorites from the pick yeah i think so so yeah enjoy again features clock samples well, it's called chronograph it has to two three hours like jamming and making sounds and then bouncing those into sample packs and that was what a lot of people asked us of how we were working on the album and it was always I mean, it was something you basically started us doing like started off doing for us was making sample packs of what would basically create the sound of the album yeah i think it was really important to have this sound bank which was completely unique to us that we could both draw from yeah and i think even for you know, I've taken that on board now for just single tracks. It doesn't need to be a whole project, but I will relentlessly write samples and I have them all monthly dated and time stamped and everything. So I know where to get certain sounds that I was working on at a particular time. Because when you're writing samples, you're always just messing around with, you're not really thinking about what you're doing, which is part of the whole process of writing. Whereas when we when we have a whole project with samples everywhere and we have all the, this automation and you know it gets so detailed that you don't want to move anything but when you have this kind of freestyle mindless control over what you're doing you can just have freedom to write whatever you want or not even whatever you're thinking you just turn some knobs and if you don't like it that day you may like it another day which i think is really important when you're trying to create a unique sound so i definitely advise write your own samples don't just take other people's just do whatever you want to do with sound and if you don't like it that day just come back to it another day and you might have a different mindset on it yeah especially in the era of sample packs where people can just get hold of everyone else's sounds it was that was probably one of the big motivations for it it's just like do something completely different where you can't get anywhere else yeah and then that way you write something unique if you create yourself then you're gonna have a unique sound overall 
something that was very much in the vein of the album well you would have had this bomb by now because it came out on free download this track is called fathoms i'm glad it finally came out though it was just like sitting there as a project that we were just like oh no we can't do anything with this didn't make the album let's just put it away it didn't feel right to put it on the album because it was so close we were trying to have such a variance of tracks that it almost sounded like kind of in between flat spots and chronograph that didn't feel right to have it on there. But we played it out at that Garen Stone album launch party and I remember we listened back to that mix down that we played a while ago and it was so yeah, fucking was bad. Absolutely awful. And I think we should probably give a massive shout out to Steve Survival. He gave us some absolutely incredible advice when we started to mix down the album. We went round to Steve's and um, went for the initial basically listening of the of the record to mix it down and master it. Steve gave us some extremely good advice around the album and actually it made us go back to the studio for another two, three months really because yeah. he pointed out so many little things that completely changed the whole sound of the album really. And I don't think we would have been as happy with the, the end product as we are with it now. Thank you. 
I thought I knew it was Century something, but <laughs> couldn't remember which number. Yeah, this one is called Century Seven. It used to be called Did They Dance because it used to have some ranky sample I took from some BBC show from the 50s. It reminded me of that. Uh, what was it? It, it was. was that, it um... was meant. It was meant to. This tune was meant to be like a political statement against the uh, drum and bass scene of how all the chin strokers <laughs> didn't dance anymore. <laughs> And it was meant to be an outlook like 20 years down the line. Did people would talk about the drum bass scene and uh, say like, oh, did they dance? It's like, mm. yeah, pretty chin stroker in itself, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, where are do you know where your kids are at three in the morning? That track, if you guys know it. seen that video go check it on our instagram to see what damage it can do 
but this one is entitled SE27. This one is entitled SE27, which is named after our old postcode where Buffington used to reside. Yeah, most of the album was written SE27 in London. West Norwood, Southland End. Posh side of West London. <laughs> yeah, we lived on the top of the hill. Proper posh sake. South London. Basically, James picked the gnarliest drum sample you could ever pick with the most distorted cymbals in it. Took us about, probably about a year to sort the cymbals in this tune. All sorts of different variations of trying to figure it out, side chaining, gating, everything, EQ. I don't even know how we figured it out in the end, but eventually it worked. It was not, not an enjoyable task, and I was just chopping every element out of the break, and it was about seven or eight different tracks of each individual sample um, and it was just balancing it and EQing it and it was a fucking nightmare. But very worth it because I think this is probably one of the hype tracks off the album and actually probably one of the kind of rawest sounding tracks as well which was what we were probably trying to achieve when we first wrote the album is to make something that sounded super gnarly and raw and this definitely encapsulates all of that. I just wanted to get some of the Hoover samples in in the second drop. Yeah. <laughs> didn't sneak those in until like a lot later. Final touches, little cherry on the cake. influence for us. Cryptic Minds and Leon Switch have always been a staple part of our early vinyl collection. Definitely before we started writing music. 
Yeah, massively before. You were obsessed with collecting all the Blackout series to make your kind of four-piece vinyl. Yeah. Unfortunately, none of it is on digital anymore. Like, it's only on vinyl, so I'm glad I've still got those, despite that they're, I think they're at your house, but I need to I need to grab those from you. Yeah, no, stage. they're not. Um, I sold them. But yeah, Cryptic Minds and Neon Switch were a huge influence for both of us, and there were numerous tunes which were just so... I, I just remember them so poignantly, like everything I remember of theirs was always stand out. for a long time. I initially posted a video on the Amos Facebook page about four... Oh, um, don't. Oh, God, that's bad. Three years ago. Three years ago. It was 2015, I think. Well, this uh, was written before this we, was when we decided to do the album. Yeah, this was. And this was just when we got Suncat. And for those of you who remember Suncat, Suncat was our mascot. Where is he? He's not in here. We've got a zebra cat in here. The sun cat's the sun in the cat. other room. I mean, there's a pot of mayonnaise um, on the shelf and there's no sun cat. <laughs>
slightly touched on it a bit earlier about how we were kind of almost like not nervous but we didn't know where to start with an album and we, we, we had this idea that we wanted to start everything from fresh nothing could be written before this idea of an album everything had to be solidified yeah we start from this this is day one um, but that really fucked us up and we couldn't, we couldn't do anything but we already had an EP plan with Dispatch which we eventually took those tracks and brought them onto the album which this is the starting point for it and once we had that we were like okay cool we know where we're going to go we know a bit of a direction and it all kind of spawned from from that well essentially as well because we had this tune for a while and I remember G- I remember hearing Jubei play it out live and um, then it was like Okay, we said we weren't gonna put this on the album, but this should be on the album. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think so you were live. You were more against it than I was, but I, I liked your ideas and then I was like, fuck it Andy, let's do it. moments in the album is because originally those that dun 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 used to sound really shit and I managed to figure out how to play it on a xylophone preset in uh, Native Instruments in contact and I found a xylophone that sounded pretty much exactly the same and managed to tweak it to fit just right big big moment for me good work Andy on the xylophone there glad glad you brought that one to the table it's just reminded me of the uh, Will Ferrell skit with the blue oyster cult yeah. and, the, and the and the cowbell. <laughs> Need more xylophone. I kind of like it, but needs more xylophone. <laughs> I think at the end of the tune as well. I don't know. Did we leave it in? Me saying the cardboard man. Yeah. I tried to sneak it in on a couple of the parts of the tune. <laughs> Another one that met, never made it. It really wanted to. It really, really tried, and we tried very hard to make this one work. Because I think both of us like thought this was. I think this was very unique for what we were doing. Like, to have a drum track pretty much all made, for me as a drummer, to have a drum and bass track where the drums are played with, like, brushes. And for those that don't know, like, usually you play drums with drumsticks. This is played with um, drum brushes. Which Whoa, are, like, usually, hold up, drums 101. <laughs> usually, what other, usually what other played, utensils do you get, usually played like with jazz drummers and stuff and it gives you a different tone on the drums it's a lot less impactful but actually gives you quite a cool dynamic tone and yeah James managed to find this break and completely switched it (laughs) 
track there was almost some confusion in where we wanted this to go and there was two conflicting sounds which we were working on at yeah, the time definitely and you can hear it in the switch and yeah i mean it, it, it didn't make the album and it was a cool track at the time but uh yeah i think we both it helped work I on i kept tracks. on trying to build it and build it and just never found the place that it was meant to go to it never felt like it reached the what it never felt like it reached the point it could have got to or should have gone to but yeah a working title of this one is called dice roll i'm offering to pay you i'm offering to pay you the extra right to go an extra three minutes three minutes bro i'm not even saying game what's the I'm saying, okay, listen, it, no, I'm only saying if you're going back to Hereford, only if you're going back to Hereford, if you've gone on the library road, I'll give you an extra, I'll give you five pounds to take me home. It, mate, it's the same fucking, it takes you the same money, same distance. What's that one called? Because that's another one. We had the last journey home, which is a journey back from Hereford, which is where we it always used feels to like, first, yeah. first play out, first start DJing back to our home little hamlets or villages or wherever we live in the little shire yeah that's it all of us live in uh, like myself James and all, a lot of our friends all live in very small little Huts villages under the ground rocks yeah I, I used to live in a pond for a while and he's actually got massive hairy feet and he's quite <laughs> small so we, we are from the shire um but yeah, we all live in the middle of nowhere. So when James and I used to go play gigs back in the day, back in our uh, local club, It'd be a twelve-man taxi back to yeah, someone's like house. Everyone would stock up into a taxi and like try and get back, and it would just be chaos. Basically, abuse a taxi driver for half an hour of the journey, saying that we're not going to pay him. Now this is another one that went through a lot of change. I listen. I actually found the original version of this track, and it does sound so different in a very different. Like I don't even know how to explain it. Like the other version sounds so different, so vastly different, yet still kind of the same. Like, it was more mixed really down work for yeah. this one, wasn't it?
massive moment at the final stages. As I always do, I need to add more growls and womps. Mm. And this one definitely needed it. I think, again, this one was like another one we struggled with, like with Chronograph. Like, we struggled a long time with it. I felt a lot of potential in it, and it was really hard to realise that. And, um, yeah, I think we got there in the end. I think we did. I hope we I did. Think, I think it's one that, I don't know, like, I think it... it I think with a lot of tracks, like, over the years, you never feel like you absolutely perfect it. And I think, I mean, obviously, that's the reason why you do VIPs and all that kind of stuff, but, no, I, I was really happy with how the final mix of this came out. Yeah, that was always the intention, to try and create something which has a lot more space and goes through different sections and styles, even though it's kind of all saturated into one kind of element, which is the halftime break and these futuristic, weird transformer sounds. Which, yeah, like Andy said, it isn't really the kind of vibe that we were going for with this album, but it, it, I think it fits nicely, and this is, this is the outro to the album as well. This one is called Time Drops. version two years ago yeah in Australia interesting for us to listen back to it because I don't think James and I have listened to those tracks together in a very long time and it's really interesting to listen back to it and uh, yeah just kind of reflect on it a little bit I don't know about you I feel proud like it's it's nice to be able to do this finally (laughs) yeah of course I've definitely been looking forward to this And yeah, if that was the first time listening to the album or listening to our podcast or listening to any of our music, we really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did like it and there are still vinyl available, make sure to go get it because there's not going to be many left. And what we don't want to do is apologise for talking all over the whole fucking show. Yeah, this one was for us, in a way. 
it's been three years and um, for us it's nice to be able to do something we're, we're like venting yeah we're finally, finally venting we're finally getting all of our frustrations out there but thank you for sticking with us and honestly really deep down thank you very much for all the support you've shown us for the past three years it's been a long project and it's nice to be able to get it out there and um, without you guys supporting us I don't think we probably would have got there in the end. So thank you. Yeah, man. Said it nicely. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Catch you next time. Big up. Bye-bye. Green Universe.